Welcome back to the Hitters Only Podcast. Hey, thank you everybody so much for listening back in and I'm super excited about this episode and everything that it entails. I was going to get into the, some sponsors and I think there's room for that in other episodes and I just wanted to say that the Lord is going to be the sponsor for this this podcast. Jesus Christ, that's who's going to sponsor this podcast because he's the man we're talking about and we're talking about the Lord folks. I just wanted to say that that's what this podcast is sponsored by, the Lord himself and he was with us. Um the guest is Dr. William Hunter Hay the 5th. He would be the 5th. His son is the 6th. And it was very special having him in. It was very exciting to talk to him and to get an insight on all his knowledge and his life experience with his family, the churches he's been involved with, really the way he lives his life and the outlook, um, how he how he views things. That's what was interesting to talk to him about. And he keeps the Lord close to him. That's how he operates. And he's my preacher at, at Greenville Community Church and greenville tennessee now i just wanted to say that anybody's welcome there church if you are struggling to find a church home and you're close to the middle tennessee area come see us i'll be sitting in the back row back there you'll see me and my wife and a kid just raising just just absolute chaos back there and you can come sit by me and um the back row is not that not that far from the front so you don't have to feel you don't have to feel guilty about sitting in the back row. You know that's when a good church right there. If you're in the back row, and and the and the preacher can still spit on you if he gets hyped up in there, that's when you know you're in a good church, folks. I'm just I'm just playing. They're all good. Hey, whatever church fits you, go to it, get in it, enjoy it, worship the Lord. That's what it's all about. But anyways, the hitters of the day are His Name is Jesus by Cody Johnson and By Your Grace by Cody Johnson. He Those are on two different albums of his. And Cody Johnson, he's a very famous country music singer right now. And he, um, I watched a documentary with him and he, he came out and said that he was a little intimidated to talk about the Lord or maybe sing a song and he talked to one of his mentors and they said, man, if it's that important to you, then you'll sing whatever song you want to about the Lord and you won't be scared to talk about him. So that's how he operates. And by, uh, His name is Jesus and By Your Grace by Cody Johnson. Those are two great worship songs by a very relevant uh, country music artist right now. They're, they're beautiful songs. I like to listen to those on the way to work a lot. They get me hyped up and ready for the day. And it gets to get your mind right. And this next hitter right here is very special to me, and I don't really know why. The lyrics to it just hit me a certain type of way. Maybe because this song, um, 
I try to live my life like this. And it's, uh, it's, it's Lean On Me by Bill Weathers. We've all heard it. And that song, I've told my wife before that, um, unfortunately, if I ever pass away before her, uh, I want that song played at my funeral. And you can put it on repeat and you can play it again. And um, just lean on me when you're not strong. It's a simple lyrics. It's a beautiful song. Bill Weathers did a great job singing it. It's a, it's a worship song to me, not to some, but, you know, some of the most important things of community and church and um, spirituality and religion is leaning on each other and being strong for each other. So, again, the hitters of the day are His, His Name is Jesus by Cody Johnson, By Your Grace by Cody Johnson, and Lean On Me by Bill Weathers. I mean, put lean on me about five minutes before you pull into the workplace parking lot, boy, and you'll be in there pouring somebody's coffee. You know what I mean? You'll be daggum in there punching the soap dispenser for somebody's hands in the bathroom. Daggum, dude. You'll be, you'll be turning around going to Dunkin' to get a couple of dozen to bring back to work and be late and not even care. Let's go. So those are the hitters of the day. Um, real quick, um, I'm going to do a quote of the day. I don't want to take up too, many, too much time. Me and Hunter got into an hour, about an hour and 45 minutes, which was great. I could have talked to him for a lot longer, but I'll have him back on. Um, the quote of the day is, be good and be gone. Be good and be gone. And I think that that quote relates to this episode a lot. I heard that quote recently on another podcast, and I think it's just real simple. It's to the point, and it's just saying be good to people and be, and be done. You know, it's simple enough. All right, guys. Well, hey, you can find any of my hitters-only playlist If you want to listen to any of the hitters that I've talked about on this podcast, you can go on Apple Music on your Apple Music app on your phone and just search Staley Haynes and you will see all of my playlist and you will see a playlist with the Hitters Only logo that says Hitters of the Day and you can listen to any song that I've talked about on this podcast. Check that out. As always, check me out on Facebook at uh, Hitters Only. Check me out on Instagram at hitters.only.podcast message me if you ever have any questions want to be on the podcast and guys the more important thing really is not my social media it's about the podcast if you want to support me get on the podcast and leave a nice review if uh, you think this podcast stinks pretend that you never listened to it and just move right on and that's okay brother or sister and uh, subscribe to it like it all that good stuff on uh, all the platforms if you can. Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever. Hey, at the end of the day, all my um, content is available on www.hittersonlypodcast.com. Thank you, everybody, again for listening in. Um, Dr. William Hunter Hay. 
the fifth. All right, so I was saying I got this platform now, and um, you know it's rare that people get to sit down and just talk with no distractions. You know, I'm always trying to catch you after church a little bit, and I've learned that with preachers, man, you get about, man, you're lucky if you get about a half a minute in, because, <laughs> you know, you're getting pulled in so many different directions, you know? Mm-hmm. But isn't so, that a sad thing? Well, it, it, we've lost the art of visitation, Staley, Yeah. where you go to somebody's house, mm-hmm. and you just sit with them. Mm-hmm. I do that on Wednesday nights. I try to... Instead of being so strung out, I try to use my Wednesday nights to see people. Yeah. So, you know, I yeah. don't count this as pastoral visitation, but it does give an opportunity where nobody's around. You're right. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. So I like to talk to people, and I, I've i never been able just to sit down with a, a preacher and pick their brain on what they think about this or that and the dynamics of church and you know, how all that goes and how they got into it. So that's kind of, you know, sometimes I don't think of you as a preacher because I've known you for so long. Yeah, exactly. But I'm blessed that you are my preacher. Thank you. At the same time. So, um, yeah, man, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. So what, um, I know you're originally from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Charlotte. Charlotte, North Carolina. Big city. Something about the Carolinas, man. You're the third guest I've had on. Two of them from South Carolina, and now we have a North Carolina. Well, South Carolina doesn't count. I'm going to be honest with you, man. (laughs) My dad, we would drive around Charlotte. He'd say, there's a South Carolina driver. They can't drive. He would just (laughs) So, you know. Well, we're right on the line, Carowinds, all that kind of stuff, really close in Charlotte. So you're all all Tar Heel then, right? Not a bit. (laughs) Come on, man. Well, you know, when you you get married to a Bama graduate, you have to sign papers saying I conscript to mm. the army and um so that's that's what i've done and i i i've been dis i'm a huge steelers fan yeah from way back oh, lambert lambert ham webb me and your son have been in a lot of arguments over this yeah. kind of oh stuff. i'm sure yeah. and i just i don't you know those um but the nfl's lost me a little bit mm-hmm. um you know i yeah. don't know how pc we are wokeness is is a problem and they've deviated i just i just really want the game yeah. I don't want all stuff. When I'm in church, I don't want political commentary. Yeah. I was in a church one time where mm-hmm. every other sermon was about a president who had some issues and it was a defense and I'm like, This this isn't the gospel, man. This is not this is not why I show up. Yeah. It alienates half. Yeah. You can't choose a side. You know, I was watching the uh Michael Jordan documentary uh earlier this year. And they were asking him why he never really chose to get too involved with politics. And his answer was, you know, Republicans buy shoes, too. He was just trying to say, like, I'm not trying to – that's not what I'm using my brand for to – you know, I just don't want to get caught up in the political mess because that's what it is. It's a mess. Yeah, and and to me, Christ – and this is a silly statement. Christ transcends all that mess. Yeah. So when we're talking about the Lord, nothing mm-hmm. nothing is up to that level. Sermon is such a precious brief time mm-hmm. that why would you introduce something that is not going to be worthy of the setting? Yeah, you know, you catch so much of that on social media, which I don't think you do, but um, mm. 
and that's such a it's such a constant thing that people are always focusing on now even young people now are getting a lot more involved in politics and opinions and I can honestly say until I was probably in my 30s I didn't really have any much thought into it um but yeah it's interesting because you know when you go to church I'd, I'd rather just leave it at the door type of thing so but anyways that hey that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is how do you handle um like hard topics in the church like you know, I'm sure it's not easy to get up there and talk about divorce or anything like that. And like, I, like you were just saying, I've never really heard you get anything too political up there. So how, how do you kind of navigate hard topics that need to be preached about, but, you know, you're not trying to fluster the, you know, you feel everybody moving in their seat. Sure, <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I think that, Okay, so we look at the Bible. And when I interpret the Bible, it has to be the lens of Jesus Christ on Scripture. Mm -hmm. Jesus is God on earth. So when I see the representation of God in, in flesh in front of me, that is going to become the lens through which I interpret Scripture, through which I interpret divorce, through which I interpret uh, affairs, through which I mm -hmm. interpret all this kind of, all the things that go on. So... Um, I have preached about divorce before, um, and, and talking about the Song of Solomon, it talked about the little foxes that go through the wall, the holes, and how holes start in marriage, and it takes two to tango. So when we get on that topic of divorce, people are sitting there, I don't know what they feel, but I bet they feel horrible. Can I, I can't imagine the pain. Yeah. I cannot imagine the pain, mm -hmm. whether for children for the people involved and how does how does jesus speak to pain with grace yeah with grace and you know i so that's my approach to whatever whatever is going to go on so therefore okay that brings up the topic of preaching topical preaching means that i pick a topic and i preach to the topic mm -hmm. that is not really very typical for me and what happens is I will go to a text that moves me, and I will say, what's the message come out of the text? What does is, what is God want to say out of this? Mm -hmm. Versus I've got something I need to say and say it. Because sometimes that will bleed me through, and I don't, I don't want that to happen. They don't need to hear me mm -hmm. when, when the speaking goes on. Yeah. It needs to be, and I, I've had mornings I'll study something all week, and mm -hmm. I'll wake up. And I'll say, oh, wow. Yeah. And I f don't feel that. And I say feel. I don't know how else to phrase it other than how do you, how do you sense calling? So this past week I'd studied. I studied Jacob. I looked and looked. And I had this understanding of what it meant mm -hmm. until 8.30 Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. Then, then it comes apparent that in the midst of all going on in this man's life, that God is at work in the life of a patriarch. His life is messy. My life is messy. And if there's no greater text we all. To, yeah, to speak to, and everybody in there is like, okay, I get that, because I, I am Jacob yeah. at times. Yeah. And, man, sometimes the, 
I say we, and, and that's how I feel. We have a special church, man. I agree. So it's not uncommon to for somebody to say something back to you that's sitting, you know, out in the pew and, you know, you know, we had Bobby Beetle saying, I, I'd love to know how you're going to tie all this in, <laughs> you know, in the middle of, you know, your sermon. And I think that's so important sometimes uh, with the church being approachable, the minister being approachable. And I wanted to talk to you about, I think I grew up in a, in a time period when church was very formal and maybe that was just the church I went to real suit and tie type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. The preacher felt like he was kind of a, a character, you know, maybe, and you know, a lot of that, he was a good guy. A lot of that was just me being a kid and, you know, a person of stature was intimidating, but sure, man, our, I think it's really important for churches just to be approachable, not, not so, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm going to a banquet. I want to feel like I'm walking in somewhere where I'm welcome and that anybody can drag in wearing anything. So is that, is that really important to you Mm. as a leader? Yeah, and what's interesting is I didn't prepare for today, but in in being ready, I've been very reflective on my life. Mm-hmm. Like, where have I been? What have I done? And calling and just all those things. And I pastored seven churches, and um, before oh, this wow. one, wow, I didn't know you. I didn't know you've been that many places. Yeah, been a lot of places. My my resume is a left-handed car salesman jackleg preacher if you were to check <laughs> insurance man too so you throw everything you throw everything in that and my, my resume does not read like a typical preacher's resume because yeah. usually you you leave seminary you're in a church and i'm really shocked at how god calls preachers to bigger churches it's amazing to me mm-hmm. every church is bigger meaning that the, certainly the pay package compensates for that mm-hmm. and um but i've only done church Staley where I felt called so that if I'm in a place I feel like that's where I need to be in, in my heart and um, so when we talk about this church um, I was at a big county seat church 235 average you know you might pop up 280 you may have 190 next week large church 300 it, on Easter yes exactly the Creasters <laughs> so in that scenario if I had not had an affair anything stupid mm-hmm. I could have retired there yeah. right so um I felt I felt a calling to 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 be involved with something and Danny Whit, Bobby and Lynn and they invited we had a dinner we kind of prayed about it but the timing was not right this was two years before we started then after that um I saw Danny Whit. he is um his son-in-law is Beatty Farms farmer Okay. And used to be right at the avenues right yeah, over yeah, there yeah. where they had their berry picking well, stuff. I went to a, an event over there recently. Yeah, so. Brandon. Yeah. Um, but in, anyway, I went over there to pick some strawberries or something. And Danny said, is it time? And I said, you know, it's time. This is April. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about starting a church, I'm, listen, I'm not a church planner. Mm-hmm. I have no experience in it. I just don't have it. And a church always starts with a denomination I said normally, with money. Mm. So you got a, a mother church, and they send forty or fifty people, yeah, maybe a hundred, and you and you get some money, and you get the preacher, 
and and boom, you kind of got a ready-made setup, and you get a gym, or you get somebody who lets you. Then you germinate a church that way. Yeah, I think a lot of churches have started in gyms of like middle schools and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So. And usually have had some sponsorship. So in coming here, you know, Danny said, "Hey, let's start a church." And I'm thinking, "Well, I gotta eat." Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I had insurance background, and I uh, I started putting out resumes. And Traveler's Insurance, I had some appraisal experience, mm-hmm. and I talked to them, and they said, they said, we'll hire you. And I thought, okay. That is the ticket to allow me to be at, they, we had no money. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have a building. We are meeting beside a swim pool, maybe 15 people on yeah. a Wednesday night. I did tell my personnel chairman at that church that I'm going to do this mm-hmm. because I, you just have to be honest. Good guy. And... Uh, so long story short, we started meeting by there, and um, we tried to lay the groundwork in the church then. So my doctorate is in family process. Okay. And family systems. Anxiety, self-differentiation, um, conflict, all of those things that go into what a family is. So think about a church that's been around 170 years. This is a family. I know it's not a family, but it is. It has emotional systems. It has ways to operate. But when you're starting out off, the, you can set some of the tone. Mm-hmm. So we wanted something that was um, felt called decentralized pastor, meaning the preacher is not in charge of everything. And yeah. that you don't have to call the preacher and say, can I do this? Because ministry, the preacher's not the hub. And, and I've been very resistant to become that. And I think that that has led people to say, where's my place? What am I going to do? And and you can't beat the area. This is such a good area for honest oh, people, man. They're kind. They're just, they don't have any heirs. And, and that makes a difference. And since somebody hasn't been in the family for 50 years in that church, they don't have the power pool yeah. to intimidate. Not that that, I don't mean it that that goes on, but when you enter into a church that's been existing, you can put your foot on the rudder like a big ship. Mm-hmm. Man. It takes, if the people don't want to change, yeah. there's no swap. Because mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted contemporary. Mm-hmm. I wanted people singing. I didn't want hymns. Um, I grew up like that, but I don't, I don't think that's what, I, I don't, I'm not so concerned about what the music is, but I want people to come. Yeah. And if it's going to be formal, suit, tie, you are a very, I, that, forgive the word market. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's fading. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you need to meet people where they are. People are so busy and, you know, um, they want to come to church and they just want to worship and yeah. do Simplify that transparency. It. it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Uh-uh. You know what I mean? Uh-uh. And when I, the community church at Greenville is what we're talking about, everybody, but, uh, and that's in Greenville, Tennessee. And you can find them on Facebook if you want any information and anybody's always welcome. But, when we uh, walked in there uh, several years back, it's like uh, it's like people knew me, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And people just started talking to me, and you know, I got uh, Bobby coming up to me, shaking my hand like he's known me forever. And you know, obviously, I've known you and your family for a long time, so I'm already comfortable walking in there. You know, I, you got us back into church, really. Because we hadn't, um, I had just gotten done with 
college and blazing through different career paths, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, for a long time, we would just go to different churches to try to find somewhere mm-hmm. uh, that we liked, you know. I just didn't want to um, settle for somewhere. I, t- I told myself um, when I became a man and I was able to make my own decisions for myself once I you know, left my parents' home, that I was not going to go to church again unless I wanted to. I get that. Because I had been in the situation where I had to go a lot when I didn't want to. And sometimes that leaves a little bit of a stain on things. So it's a, it was a blessing finding y'all. And you said something to me one time after church. I think you had been out uh, the previous Sunday. And we were talking about it's hard to find people to fill in for you sometimes. Which, hey, I think you got a good one now. I think so. <laughs> the son-in-law in. coming in clutch, <laughs> man. But uh, you said something to me. And you said, he said, you said, you know, I'd let you do a sermon because I trust you. And I like coming there and listening to you because I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's big. That's big for us, and we feel very comfortable there. And you do a good job, man. Thank you. So, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. If I become emotional during this, it's because of thankfulness. Well, yeah. I'm I'm thankful for your family's presence. Oh man, we love it. So when you asked me to do this, I'm like, this is my son's friend asked me to be a part of this. And I'm, mm-hmm. I was really moved yeah. by that. And um, I'm thankful for your entire family. So all that is meaningful to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I don't, I don't want to ever be separated in an ivory place. Like yeah. they, they, a fella at the church made a pulpit. Um, I never stand, I never stood behind it. Mm-hmm. Because I had had to do that in six churches, man. It yeah. felt confining. <clears throat> I, I take things sometimes that you say, and I, uh, I hold on to them a little bit because it, it hits me. Uh, one time you were explaining a situation about where uh, maybe two deacons bumped into each other doing the, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, yeah, Eucharist, communion. Communion, yeah. thank you. And that there was maybe some church people in the church that were upset about the optics of that and how it looked. And that's not that's not how you roll, and that something like that is so irrelevant. And, you know, I just, I'm glad we're on the same page, man. Cause yeah. I got this written down because I've always wanted to talk to you about this. I'm going to lighten it up here for a second. Uh one of my favorite parts of church is seeing the panic of the offering. <laughs> no one ever gets it right, man. And it's so fun. I, the first time, one of the first times I came to church, you asked me and Hunter to do the offering, and I just want to say that we nailed it. I mean, no doubt. We were rotating the plates, rotating the plates. You know, you do the sides first, then you start in the back, and you rotate the plates all the way to the front, and then you close her up. But man, sometimes the dynamic of, you know, because kids do the offering at our church and whoever, you know, whoever gets called on, is it, it is what it is. But man, sometimes it's, uh, it's fun to watch. So. It, it really is. And the good thing is that people don't care. No. And, no. and that's what I love because in that no. situation, Toby Deacons, I was asked about that. 
afterwards. Uh-huh. And there was such a rehearsal and such a method that, okay, so that's the influence on me to, when I'm at Greenville. I'm saying, okay, man, what, what really matters? Mm-hmm. It's your heart before the Lord and why you take it. Mm-hmm. That's why anybody can take communion. If, you're, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christian, sit down. I'm not your judge. Yeah. You got to do that for the Lord. Absolutely. And, uh, so we get, um, we get the offer. And what's interesting, there are no ushers at our church. Um, there's no little tags, but they stand, somebody stands up, Bobby or Randall, and they say, hey, so, so I, you can imagine the, the terror for these people <laughs> when they say, will you come on up here? Because they're just sitting there thinking, I got to get through this preacher. Yeah, sometimes I just, I sit there and I, and I, I look at you and sometimes you smirk and, I'm, and I just think, how much of this has this man seen through his career of this i'm like i bet he's got some great stories of maybe people dumping the grape juice or spilling the crackers man mm-hmm. and it's sometimes i just get tickled about that stuff but <laughs> some of the biggest stories revolve around like an open mic night okay at the church yeah and at the church i formerly pastored we would have open mic night we would let people come up and say whatever they want to say okay you know testimony time good stuff so um, there's, a, there's a place called Generations in Woodbury and some other areas, a very benevolent organization that cares for people that are challenged. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had a lady take, this, take the pulpit. This is a very formal church. Okay. And she said, you know what? My husband was in bed with another woman, and I got a knife out and went in there, and I'm just all oh, the day. So that kind of story for this congregation that is just, their jaws are on the floor – you try to get them to roll their tongues up and, and join you because you, you never recover in a service from that. <laughs> Man, I don't know how. I'm, I'm, preachers to me are like, you have to just be on the, like, I feel like you could almost do like stand-up comedy or something too, just be quick on the fly with that stuff because, I mean, how are you supposed to pivot off of something like that? To not be too serious. Yeah. I mean, in other words, everything we're doing is is the most serious part of my week of my life. Yeah. But if you're really honest, we are kind of comical people. Yeah. Jewish rabbi saying, God invented man because he wanted to hear a good story. Wow. Because just watching men and, and it, there is there is just we're funny people. And, you know, this past week we talked about Jacob, mm-hmm. Jacob's family. And, and I do the beck and call in the black church. Mm-hmm. My f- second or third sermon of the black church, I went from A to Z with people in the Bible. Adam, Adam the first man. And, man, they would talk. Adam, Adam, Adam. You know, B for, for you know, whoever. And so as we're going through that, the beck and call, I love, I love that. There's a lot of energy when you, pe- when you find the connectivity. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ask stuff in churches. I'm asking this because I want them as they're processing to say, and look at what they say to me. It's mm-hmm. incredible yeah. because they're saying, I mean, some of them have been around me a little while, so they know kind of what I'm thinking, but they, I just, I, I, I like the spontaneity. And even though somebody made something that's not point on, it's still on the dartboard. Yeah. And we can work with what they're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. I, lo- I just love the openness of that, you, which you cannot get that No. when you get formal. Um, <clears throat> my uncle's a, a Baptist preacher in Clarksville, and he's, he, he does a very good job. 
he he runs his churches kind of the same way. It's mm-hmm. just a, if anybody wants to say something, they can just say it. You know, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. not up. You know, he's not up there. You know, being the only one that's allowed to talk in the, in the space that they're in. So uh, I, I like that. That's always that's the kind of church that I I vibe with. Mm-hmm. I would say is uh, somewhere I feel like I can say something to yeah. if I want to. A question for you. Yeah. So how are you with turning loose of control? Turning loose of control? Mm-hmm. Unpack that for me a little bit. What do you mean? Well, there are certain things we can't control, certain things we can't control. But you're in charge of something. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reason why I asked the question is because when you're up there and you say, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You have relinquished control <laughs> yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. You know? Well, I've always just tried to see the positive in every situation. If a situation does go south, that's kind of how my parents raised me. They weren't real negative. They didn't focus on the negative. We always tried to look at the the better part of things. And I think you can translate that even into small situations. And, you know, sometimes you have to say, well, nobody died, you know. (laughs) know, exactly right. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so... You know, we've had we've had disasters on on car trips and vacations, and or you may get caught in an awkward situation that you feel like is outside of your control, and ultimately you just have to let it be what it is. I mean, I don't. Yeah. No. I'm not. I'm not a control freak. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm other things, but I'm not that. So I'm content to let people. I'm a big boundary person, meaning that. I'm not going to tell somebody what I can't tell. I can't make anybody do a thing. Mm-hmm. So that helps me with some control because I'm not, I'm not responsible for the decisions that people make. That's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. And as a preacher, if you don't understand that, you mm-hmm. are, you're just miserable. Yeah. Because people, and also if I'm doing marriage counseling, people come to me. I listen to their stories. I reflect back to them what I hear. I never tell them what to do because I don't want the responsibility of how they're going to behave mm-hmm. or what they're going to do. So, um, so in the middle of church, being able to not feeling like I have to control sets a tone where people, I, they just know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but for some people, it's got to be jot and tittle. It's got, you know, I'm not worried. We, you know, I've been in churches where you get out of order in the bulletin. I would walk up and I wasn't looking at the book because I cared more about the environment and talking than I did about the structure. But you would hear about the misstep of getting up at the wrong time. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I think churches should kind of just have bullet points of what you want to do that day and just... Hmm. You know, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, hey, we're going to do some announcements. We're going to sing some songs. It's not, it doesn't all have to be hunky-dory and perfect, you know. So, I don't think we can strap it down. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a problem when you try to because it inhibits the spirit. Yeah. Everybody, a sermon's like a dogfight. It's mm-hmm. daily. Everybody's hearing this and they're flying through in their own airplane and they're catching, picking up different pieces. And I can't... Con- I can't control what they're hearing. All I can do, but that is the Lord at work. Mm-hmm. That when their plane passes through that sphere, they're hearing what they need to hear from Him, yeah. not from me. Yeah, and, uh, that's awesome. So, how, what is your? So obviously, Sunday is when you get to relay your message. 
do you kind of just take Monday off and chill and then start firing up your preparation on Tuesday, or how do you prepare for the week to get ready for your sermon? Um, some of it is driven by lectionary, and um, the revised common lectionary, vanderbilt.edu. Mm-hmm. If you go there, the Christian church, and I mean Catholics, Methodists, all of them, there's, there's, a, there's a movement throughout the calendar year that talks about Advent, Christmas, Easter, and all that. So I will go look at the lectionary readings, okay. and I'll say, okay, how's, how, does that, how does that strike me? I spend a lot of time in the Gospels because I love, I love listening to Christ. Um, but if, if I don't find anything in the lectionary, so that's kind of the beginning of Monday. Okay. Look at the lectionary. What, what does the week look like? A long-term minister who was a good music minister back when you would have just a music minister. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. uh, Just a precious man. He talked about the relentless return of the Sabbath. It's coming every week. You know, and you you, you frame it up. Mm -hmm. Sunday's over. What do you do next? Mm -hmm. And um, that's a lot of pressure to – because it's not that you have to reinvent the wheel, but – we talk out of our own wheelhouse. I'm pointing to my head if you didn't see that. So we talk out of our own wheelhouse. And how, how, do you, how do you not talk about the same things to you because people have different needs? Mm-hmm. And so trying to be sure that you're looking at grace, sin. And what are people encountering at work? Yeah. Man, I've had some of my, <clears throat> you bringing up work, some of the wildest conversations I've had with people about the Lord and my beliefs and, and asking them about what they believe in have been at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked at um, uh, Rutherford County Juvenile Detention Center uh, right after college and was a correctional officer for, you know, kids getting in trouble and had a bunch of interesting people that I worked there with and I had a corporal that uh, he, was, he was over me and we worked night shift together and we would go sit in this uh, room called Central Control. It was the room that ran, you know, all the doors, all the cameras, all that stuff. And there wasn't anything ever to do all night because the kids were asleep. And we would sit there and talk, and he was an atheist. And so I'm a curious person. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but I've never been scared just to ask people questions about stuff. A lot of, a lot of things people want to ask people, I'll just ask them. And it's always kind of worked out well for me, and people will usually answer the questions that I ask. You know, I don't ask anything too crazy or offensive, but um, but I was curious of why he was an atheist and and stuff like that. And long story short, he uh, was born and raised in um, South Africa. Probably, you know, sometimes we forget not everybody's born in the Bible Belt. Yep. And um, there is other countries besides America and the Southeast. So, you know, people around, I'm sorry, people around here need to remember that sometimes. And um, he just, to him, he was just like, it's, it's an old book that uh, is lost in translation. You know, he was real big on the translation of the original Bible. What was the, what was the language that the Bible was originally written in? Aramaic and Greek Arama- and Hebrew. Hebrew. Hebrew and Greek. So he believed that a lot of stuff was lost in translation and that basically over time the Bible has changed and people have done with it what they want to. And 
you know, and it, I would talk to him and his, what he would say, because sometimes, you know, he would make fun of stuff that I believed in and stuff like that. But it didn't ever offend me because I, I felt like if I talked, if I argued with him, I would have no chance of maybe ever getting to him. Mm-hmm. So we would just have these conversations. And, man, you know, you're talking multiple uh, hours of eight-hour shifts of, of talking about religion and his belief system and mine. And uh, Meanwhile, great man mm-hmm. would give you his collar. I mean, shirt off the back kind of guy. Super had kids, had a wife, and one day he didn't show up for work. And uh, in the middle of the shift, I found out that his uh, wife had some rare heart condition, and he found her on the floor dead. And he did CPR on her for uh, forty-five minutes before the ambulance got there. Couldn't save her; she passed away. Um, didn't see him for weeks and weeks, and he finally came back and kind of like. Uh, sat down with everybody and told them, you know, what had happened and that he was, you know, not going to be able to work here anymore because he's got two children that he's a single dad and and he pulled me he pulled me aside in the hallway um, and and he goes, man, we had a lot of conversations about uh, your God and. He goes, and I'm having a really hard time believing that my wife uh, has not gone anywhere. And he goes, I'm not saying that I believe what you believe, but I'm saying that I think I'm going to look into it a little bit more. I told him, I said, man, I said, the, Lord, the Lord's there if you want And he just shook my hand and he walked out and I never saw him again. Mm-hmm. But I felt like just by talking to him uh, and being open to his criticism and being open to having those hard conversations with him all the time, maybe I planted a seed in that guy. And I don't know what he's doing now, but I hope you know. I hope he's hope he found the Lord. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I just wanted to say you know. Anybody at work, or if you are a Christian, don't be afraid to, to talk to people. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't think it's an awkward thing. I think it's the most important thing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've talked about the Lord in some strange places, man. <laughs> in I, I bars and yeah. all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. I, I think it's important. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. tell people, you know, whatever. So, yeah. But, I mean, have you had a, a lot of good experiences maybe outside of the church of bringing people to Christ or I think some of um, I'm going to praise you for not so many times we we hear the great commission go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations mm-hmm. baptize in the name of the Father Jesus but when we hear that we see that we have to affect that in somebody we got to make it happen mm-hmm. therefore it becomes a hard press to me witnessing the true meaning of the word is share your story you share christ's story because it's part of your story so how i can tell my story about how i'm broken mm-hmm. and forgiven and that is relatable to to people without beating them over the head because when it becomes a think about conversation i you when i'm saying you it's, it's a different flow when i say i mm-hmm. 
they're off their heels. They're, yeah. they're not leaning forward to attack you because it's my baggage. Yeah. And um, I, fir- I hear that in what you're saying, yeah. that you talk to him. I think, too, I have not been – I told you about my resume, seven churches. I've been at one church seven years. I've been in another church two years. You know, they haven't been – because I've been in insurance. I've been, it's been different things. But I've, what I've found is that if I'm able to be somewhere and just be a Christian – Mm-hmm. That's really all I care about. Yeah. Fred Craddock said, Fred Craddock, my favorite preacher, Disciples of Christ, he said that when he first started, he wanted to be a good preacher. He didn't want to be a great preacher. At the end of his career, he says, I just want to be a good Christian. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And, and, tell, and tell the story. So work is a very open place to share your faith and what i mean is that i know there are hr issues and all that kind of stuff but i talk i talk faith gosh three or four times a week i got people on my team that are christians Mm -hmm. and um we talk about the lord about what goes on in life i have a high performing team and i do think it's because of connectivity and engagement so you invested in that man you spent hours talking to him when you could have read a magazine or you could have done something else. So that engagement investment, he felt that. Yeah. He felt that, and he, he pulled you aside after it's all over to say this. That was important for him, you know? Yeah, well, I think um, sometimes as Christians, people get a little intimidated or um, get a little standoffish from – being around people that are maybe a little rough and you know I don't care what people's language is like sometimes I don't have the best language man you know what I mean and I just I don't testify so I don't shy away from people that are a certain way so because I don't at the end of the day I try to just look at what Jesus was doing and I try to follow in that example the best I can and it doesn't seem like Jesus was hanging out with the goody tissues. Oh, oh no. And so, contrary, he was, you know, they talk about John the Baptist being out here, you know, not, not drinking, not eating. And they're mad at him. And then Christ comes eating and drinking yeah. with, with people, and they're mad at him. So what, what do you want? Yeah. Um, but the, the model from Christ is... Sitzimleben is a German term meaning situation in life. That Christ met people where they were. Mm-hmm. He's going along. Zacchaeus, the rich man, everything, the lepers, whoever. It's just in the conversation of life. And I think it doesn't have. Mm-hmm. I sold a car to a dude, truck. I'm driving back. I never ask him if I go to church that day. It's a close ended question. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I go. Or I don't go. I walked out when I was 12. I say, do you know Christ? What is your life like with him? Because I really want to know more than somebody at your church. Church ain't going to save anybody. And, yeah. and we go to church for the strength of community. I kind of rambled. I don't know if I'm asking some, some of the questions you've answered. I was just thinking about you, 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 you made me think about point of intersection where we come, we come in contact with people. So when I look at my ministry, I've, I told you it's like seven churches it's three different states. It's having gone to seminary and done all this stuff. But I got, I got a call a year ago from somebody in Indiana I married 30 years ago. Hey, I want, you to do my, I want you to renew our vows. 
So we did it virtually because it was Corona. Yeah. Um, but he calls, and then I got I got people at State Farm. I worked at State Farm. I do funerals for some people who who knew me there. So that ministry, mm-hmm. it, it's an intersection, and there's this tapestry that you have allowed the Lord to weave through you. That's your fabric, and and all these different people intersect. So I, I don't I can't claim a church long term, mm-hmm. but I can say that ministry is important because to me the title on the door. I, if I'm a stay farm, I'm a minister. Mm-hmm. I, it, it doesn't matter if I'm. It doesn't just leave you when you a preacher. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does <laughs> because it's a it's a life walk versus a vocation. Yeah. So seems like you've done both. You've done you know full time gigs being a preacher man. And, you know you're in the insurance world now and uh, doing preaching um, on Sunday and. Do you like it how it is now more? Did you, what did you think about that being your full-time job and, and how do you feel about what you're doing now? Is it, do you like it more now that you're, you know, have a full-time career and then obviously, I don't want to call preaching a passion, but it's your, you know, it's, it's your whole life. It's your thing that you, you do, your mm-hmm. calling, you know. Um, yeah, it is, it is the calling. And the interesting thing is that I'm a manager the very Fortune 100 insurance company. Mm-hmm. But that's not my career. Yeah. They pay the bills. Yeah. Don't listen. <laughs> they pay the bills. And yeah, I mean, he's not Yeah. Yeah. And, we... and, and I do that. But my calling is, is the church. So yeah. I do, for the past Four months, I've, I've devoted Wednesday nights to a family whose mom was dying and, and went to their house on Wednesday nights to mm-hmm. be with them. So it's not that you fit in all that around there because I pray for them during the day. But um, so do I like it? There are a lot of benefits to being just a preacher. Like right now, time, you know, how the, you know the grid of urgent, important, not important, and trying to sort your life, oh, man. you know, like that. So... Who do you see? What do you do? And and I left I left Greenvale for about seven or eight months. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so what happened is when we started, I did a priest, I did youth ministry, sharing did children, um, and just did did it all because we didn't have any outside support. I mm-hmm. mean, we had people in the, this this church is great. People work, but yeah. when you're doing you when you're just doing something, if you're always giving out, I just got to where I was just. I was empty, man. So I stepped away from it, um, mm-hmm. feeling very called back. So Travelers provides this opportunity to be out of my headspace with the church, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Um, I still have opportunity to share things that I do about the Lord in church, at, at, at work, um, only with people who want to hear it. And then I still have the beauty of having this local organic community that I'm able to minister to. So for me right now, it's tougher, but it probably is the best it's ever been. And that really is church related Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't care at home. I'm not worried about it. And that's, that's the control part. Can, Mm -hmm. you know, could we start a church? Think about it. You want to, you've been successful in your life. You're successful because you work hard. Mm -hmm. So when you start a church, you don't want it to fail. I mean, 
ah, what is it? Eighty percent of churches don't make it four years. Really? Yeah, it's it's a high. Now don't quote me on that, but it's it's yeah. really high. So when we hit five, six, and seven mark, I'm like, this really is a, a watershed. And here lately, I don't know, we've been running like seventy three or something in church, and mm-hmm. you know. August is the dog days of church. I mean, this is like, man, everybody's on vacation. Yeah. You can't pay a Christian to come to church in August. <laughs> but, man, they are packing. I'm like, and we got different families coming to see us. So yeah. all that stuff invigorates me. Um, and I may have operated some out of fear, confessionally, yeah. because I didn't want it to die for lack of mm-hmm. activity. And now I'm rebuilding a stupid house. That was the dumbest thing. I'm a doctor in ministry and just being so <laughs> idiotic in my life, man. It's, but, you know, we, we wanted to be in that community, so yeah. we got the house close to church because, but guess what? All these children came to my house. We had a big moat where I'm digging to lay footers. Yeah. They would have to walk the plank because it was full of water, and they'd walk the plank to go into children's ministry. But in my church, man, for two, in my house for two and a half years, Yeah. children. Yeah. Let me just say this. The success of this church is, is my wife. It's not me. Ooh, man, you got a good one. Um, yeah, and, and Ooh, you, you know, I'm, I'm not. Preachers don't make a church, but if you'll care for people's kids, they'll come, man. They'll come. So when you I'm look at that, that church, they ain't no need to see Hunter. Yeah. It's Sharon. Yeah. She would, she would be, she'll never say, God, I get choked up. She'll never say that. I met my wife. I met my wife in seminary. I went to seminary engaged to another woman. Oh, I didn't know that. A little dirt for you. There you go. So I go there, and I, I went to Louisville, and I was in Charlotte, and, and, but my parents had, it was, a, it was just not smooth in my house with their marriage, right? Mm-hmm. So this developed some things in me to be, I was like Mr. Honor Society, captain football team, singing in the choir. I was Mr. Everything because mm-hmm. I thought, if I can be perfect, I'll take the tension out of the house. What a miserable life. Because yeah. I carried that with me, that idea of perfection. Yeah. Um, so, but when I went to seminary, I was engaged to this girl. Never said a date. But I, I got up there, and I'm like, I really don't miss her. Yeah, hey. And my mom had been such a... <laughs> Distance does not make the heart grow fonder. <laughs> it, it really did not. So um, I drove home in October, 18th, 20th, something like that. I bought a 70 GTO convertible for 400 bucks, man, out of a guy's backyard that weekend. Nice. Broke up with a girl, went back to Louisville, and went to church that night. Now, that's what a crit. Just kidding, man. Yeah. I went to church after driving from Charlotte, North Carolina, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh-huh. Sharon was sitting right behind me in the church I went to. Oh, okay. I tried and said, listen, I, I, my name's Hunter Hay. How are you doing? I want to introduce myself to you. <laughs> and that was the beginning of that. Yeah. She sends me a, cre- a card, Christmas card in Christmas. So she was going with this guy who was the a music minister at a church. Yeah. Looked nice, dressed well. You know, not me mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, but I'm going around in flannels. I've got a can of Copenhagen in my oh, back pocket. Yeah. You're I got GTO a circle. with the dice in the mirror, exactly. man. I got all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is not... I was not the typical seminarian. Motley Crue and the the tape player. Come on. Well, mine was more funk. Johnny Guitar Watson. Okay. Bootsy Collins. All that kind of stuff. (laughs) So that's Charlotte for you. And um, so she invited me to this Thanksgiving thing. Mm -hmm. So I go over there. 
And I'm, I'm there, and, and she is talking to this other fellow. Won't hardly talk to me at all. So I just went, had a big time, left. Then she sent me a Christmas card. I said, I'm, I'm going to go over and ask her out. I know she's going with this guy. So I went over to ask her out on a Sunday afternoon, about 40, 40 steps down. And as I was going down, I passed a boyfriend coming up. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, she asked, I said, I don't want to marry you. I just want to be your friend. Can we just, can we go out? be friends mm-hmm. so he said yeah she broke up with him that night <laughs> he had a brand new car all this guy you know, i mean he had money and i'm working nice. at napa let's go motor parts for 425 an hour thinking yeah, i'm a rich kingpin oh, yeah slinging oil filters yes man. like exactly man crankshafts all this kind of stuff and uh but to continue this story you'll get the chart so i've been married twice to my wife are you aware of that no okay been married twice okay so, my brother-in-laws have been, they were always around the house. They're mm-hmm. from Alabama, from the city. So, one of them dated like seven years, I dated four years. So, I go out with Sharon in December, and I decide immediately she's going to some, they call it rec lab, it's a J-term. I immediately decide that I really need to be in recreation in church. So, I just sign up for this course. Mm-hmm. pay my head off because everybody else got a scholarship. I am late to the party, but I'm yeah. going down there to see her in the Lord. So go down there and talk to her. So then in April, I said, I'll, let's get married. Mm-hmm. So I show up in her house four months after that date. After knowing her? After, after basically. just go, basically going out. Yeah. And then I go to her daddy. It's on spring break. I said, listen, can I marry your daughter? And his yeah. jaw is on the floor. Oh, no. So he gives the blessing, and, 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 and but, man, <laughs> I was Eddie Haskell. I mean, you know, I'm saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But I went down to Florida to call my friends. Yo, dude, I'm getting engaged. Yo, what's up? <laughs> man, they heard that, and they're like, you don't know that guy. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. Then, all right, so we're, it's like August the 27th, and I'm like, honey, what are we waiting on, man? Yeah. Let's tell all these people, I'm in, a, I'm in an apartment building loaded with seminarians. Mm-hmm. Let's tell them we're not shacking. Let's just go. We're going to get married. So we got a justice piece come to the house. Did the wedding. Oh, really? Yep. Bought, bought rings at Dan's Pawn Shop in Louisville. They were new. Nice. But, um, yeah, and, and got married there, but didn't tell anybody. Oh, okay. Other than our neighbors. So no par- no parents in there? Oh no. Oh no. Boy. So and this is a this is a this is a huge deal. So then had a big wedding in January. This was August. Couldn't wait till January. We had a big wedding. So I think we told her parents maybe twenty five years after that that we had been married twice. But man, I'm married in Kentucky. I'm married in Alabama. I celebrate my first wedding anniversary though. So, That's but, wild. I, I, you kind of threw me for a loop there. Yeah, saying You've been yeah. married to her twice. I was like, and how, how? Okay. It's so, it's uh, it's double done. Yeah. And it's continuous. So you're legally married in two different states. In two different states. It would take a man. lot to get me unhitched, man. Oh, and well, I, but I tell you what. That's, that'd be useless at this point. It really will. And such <laughs> a precious, precious Ooh, man. woman. Okay, so here's, here's the Lord, Staley. I go to, I leave my church, and I take about a $12,000 haircut. Mm-hmm. I've had more of a haircut, as you can see. I'm bald. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but take a $12,000 haircut, pay-wise. Yeah. So I know it's down. I thought, man, I'm going to do this because we feel called to do this. So I'm at Travelers two years, yeah. get promoted. 
Okay. I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life, and my wife retires and keeps grandkids. Yeah. That is God working. I mean, it's not me. It's not who I am. I'm just like, thank you, Lord, mm-hmm. for just grace in that. That yeah. was so powerful, man. Man, she's a special lady. I, you know, I've known Hunter since we were wearing that Pee Wee mm-hmm. football mm-hmm. helmet right there mm-hmm. for the Cowboys. Exactly. And, um, you know, I spent, I always say there's a couple of families that raised me, and yours is one of them. You know, Joe and the Wards. Yes, Janice exactly. raised me too. <laughs> I, I'm sure when I went to college, y'all's grocery bill drastically dropped because I used to come over there and just wear the bologna out and every chip in the cabinet. We were ready for that. I've, Tostitos I've, pe- party oh, pizzas. Gosh, man. We used to go up there in that uh, bonus room and just mm-hmm. eat everything under the sun in between two a days. And, um, but y'all were always so welcoming and, I, you know, your home was was one of those homes i didn't knock i just would walk in the house and um you know always spending the night over there and hanging out with y'all and sharon is really just a a special a special woman to me and there's only about four or five women that i can that i when i see them it's just like i'm looking at my mom almost yeah yeah. and becky's so precious yeah and 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 she's one of them man and She's Thank she's a that. great wife, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure, and, and uh, seems like a great grandma or whatever them youngins call her. And yeah. uh, speaking of man, me and Kaylin watched your grandkids in the nursery uh, while you were out. Wow, they are good girls, man. They're good girls, and they are smart. They are very smart. They have been to Grammy University, is what we call it, because wow. when my wife is giving these kids. My wife is a, is has a degree. Okay, I met met Sharon. We in seminary. Got married. Mm-hmm. I left seminary to let her finish. Okay. Because my thought was, if we start having children, she'll never finish. Yeah. And so she graduated in '87, and I went back. And it took me four years on a three-year program. But a seminary degree is like 120 hours. They're in 18 hours. I mean, good for a master's. Wow, that is a lot. Because what's a master's? Thirty. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot, and but. As an educator, she is very, I am chaos. I'm freewheeling. She is all order. Let's plan it. Let's yeah. have it out. Let's do this. <laughs> and don't really get much fuel in dirt in the fuel system where it just doesn't run good. Yeah. So, but she takes them. They paint. They do crafts. They do all this reading books and stuff. So I can really see, um, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing the influence of any parents, Tyler and Catherine and Kristen and Chris. They're great parents. I just love the way. Sharon's blessed them because oh, she loves it. it yeah. Comes from the heart. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's is, is Lucy the older one? Lucy Piper. Piper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lucy's the youngest. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. in their group. Man, they just take care of each other. Kaylin was blown away. She was like, "They're all like they were great. Like you know, y'all got a good thing going there." Yeah, I got to give got to give props to their parents, man. Yeah. They really yeah. because Piper can. Piper can tell you about Jesus, and, and, and now Lucy, she'll push your hand away. She'll say no. She's the, she's the uh, what do you call it, the judge? Yeah. The long Colt 45 with that whole gig. So I love that about her, though. I yeah. absolutely love it. Man, um, talking about seminary a little bit, I'm a, I'm a little curious about how that works. So what was the name of the seminary? That you that y'all went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. It was the flagship seminary for class of eighty seven. 
She was. I was 90. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. looked that up on her Facebook before you yeah. got here. I cheated uh-huh. a little bit. Uh-huh. That's a Baptist seminary? Is that what that is? Yeah, Southern Baptist Seminary. Okay. Um, I, and I went to seminary on scholarship. Okay. For um, football? Uh, no. Um, leadership. Okay. Uh, went to my mailbox one day at Gardner Webb College. Had a letter in there that said, you've been nominated for the Pastoral Preaching and Leadership Award, mm-hmm. and we're going to pay for your first two semesters in seminary. So oh, that's they pay awesome. for, I don't know who did that, mm-hmm. but thank the Lord for it. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go to Southern. I, I, I'm a Southern Baptist at heart, but Southern Baptists have let issues run them. Really? Well, Scripture. That they, they, they fuss about the interpretation of Scripture. There's several ways to look at Scripture interpretation. One is the dictation theory that God had somebody sit on a stump, told him what to write. You know, we talk about your friend in, in the Bible and how he felt like it had been, you know, changed over the years. Yeah. Um, but you've got, you've got the oral tradition. When we read about Jacob, that, those are stories told by people. And I put my faith in the Lord that every element that needs to be there is there, that, that Scripture is divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. I'm not a dictation theory person. And I don't read, I don't use the King James Bible. I find it difficult to, um, I find it difficult to understand. I was at a church for seven years, very conservative Baptist church. But every week I went in the pulpit with a Revised Standard Version that had the Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. And the Apocrypha is going to be the Catholic Bible. It's, it includes all the books that Protestants say, we don't see this as scripture, but then they do. So Tobit and just all, so I, I was a bit of a wild weasel mm-hmm. in 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 the environment like that because yeah. take somebody who has a baby out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. I talked to a woman and her daughter's pregnant, and she knows that I'm a minister. So she was telling me that I could see kind of the disappointment in her eyes, and I'm like, "Oh man, let's rejoice! Mm-hmm. Let's rejoice! There's a baby coming. God gives children. God, I'll never say anything different." Because that's what it is. It's God. So I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but just to say that, you know, the formality of the judgment. Listen, you know when you read the Lord's Prayer and mm-hmm. you say it, the most terrifying verses are, Father, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. So you telling me I'm going to be forgiven the way I forgive? Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Yeah. So I don't, my judgment's not for any young lady but rejoicing in the fact that somebody, somebody's having their child mm-hmm. and that God gave a gift. How, how does the church surround them to bless them yeah. and encourage them? That's important, man. I think, I think a lot of people don't, atten- don't attend church um, in fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I wish it wasn't like that. And they're not all like that. You know, mm. There's a lot of good churches out there that, are not that way and mm-hmm. so I'd always encourage people to find a church that fits them and and you know you'll stumble along a good Christian somewhere you just you don't have to look too far you but, really will and yeah. and just go yeah well I mean the, the biggest thing is can you go be connected to a community and, and become engaged because mm-hmm. when you do that you you just find I'm not strong enough daily to be out mm-hmm. see and that's why a professor of mine in, in college told me, he said, you, you know, he says, sometimes I wonder if I've done this because I'm afraid. 
of falling away, and I, I, I respected that. Yeah. He didn't do it for that reason, but that's in the back of his mind that he mm-hmm. must be engaged. And Okay, so seminary. You asked a question about seminary. I went to seminary. It took four years. Um, I pastored a small church. Is that part of seminary that they set you up in a small church, or is that just on your own? They sure don't. Um, you just go, and, okay. you know, some people, I always wanted to be a chaplain. Okay. I thought, okay, there's a great career. I can see myself, and, you know, I don't count myself as a good preacher, so I don't look at that as my life calling. So I thought, well, I'll be a counselor, be a, be a, be a uh, chaplain. But I, w- I, w- I started seminary in Sharon. So we had two kids in seminary. Hunter was born. Mm-hmm. In July 31st, 90, and he got me out of pastoral clinical education because I was finishing that, and I got to take a week off. Way to go, Hunter. <laughs> so, and, and so my boy blessed me, but I'm coming out of center with, with I have children looking. Okay, so went to school during the day. Mm-hmm. My church was an hour away from the, the seminary. Okay. Four days a week, man, an hour down, go to class. I would go run. There's a water tower in Louisville. It's about a mile around. You go run around that. Then I would go over to a psych hospital in Jeffersonville, and I would do an eight-hour shift with psych patients. When you were talking about the centralized room, I was like, bang, that sounds like that. You're watching them, trying to talk to them, people aggressive. You're holding some people down. But then I would get out at 11 and then drive an hour home and then do it all the next day. And they were – this place went on central time, and – Louisville will be on Eastern time. So you don't want two hours early to leave. So it you, was, were, you were gaining an hour one way, losing one coming back. Yeah. Or which, whichever way. Just yeah. really, and I say all that to say that seminary, <clears throat> I was not going to pay the penalty of doing cl- more clinical pastoral education, mm-hmm. which is a great course, but it would have taken me more time because I need yeah. to care for my family. But so, church. Here's a. Ch- Can I show you a picture? Yeah, this is my first church, man. Nice. It's beautiful. Comiskey Baptist Church in Comiskey, Indiana. Uh, name 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 for some people with the ballpark, mm-hmm. right? And um, man, that's a. Bo- that whole picture is a blast from the past. Man. That is a blast. This is like a 800 square foot parsonage. So they had a parsonage. The guy that was preacher here before, um, you know, I had 88 people like average in this church. And I'm a, I'm a part-time, never done it before. So right now, I have some experience to rely upon with stuff. Yeah. Nothing. You, you do know. have the gift of speaking. So does Hunter. Thank you. Son. Yes, he does. My, he son, can... my son is funny. Oh, yeah. He is funny, man. Oh, yeah. I, he got that from my dad. Yeah. Because that, that is my dad. My he, dad. Man, Hunter, he can, he can grab a microphone and, you <laughs> he, know. He, yep. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, it'd be senior year at Siegel and it'd be pep rally. And here's Hunter, has his jersey on in the middle of the basketball court, you know, juking and jiving back and forth, talking to the, you know, whole pep rally. And he's, yeah, he's, y'all, y'all have, I mean, you, you just said you don't think you're a good preacher. I disagree. I think, well, I thank think you, you and your son, and I'm sure your girls all have the, the gift of speaking. So mm-hmm. that's a good deal. Well, and um, so I heard a guy was leaving this church. Mm-hmm. So this is an American Baptist church. So I, I, call, I, I called him. I said, well, what, tell me about what's going on. He told me I, they might have paid like, you know, 800 bucks a month. But you got the house. So I thought, well, I'm paying rent. That's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, 800 bucks was like, you know, a lot of money. But you still got to pay taxes. You're self-employed as a preacher. So everything you get, 
you got to pay seven fifteen percent mm-hmm. seven employment tax. But um, so I asked him. He said, "But the toilets are terrible." He said, "Every time you flush the toilets, <laughs> there's stuff running down the floors." And I'm like, "Ooh!" He painted the worst picture. Okay. I go up there. These are kind and gracious people, and the toilet works just fine. And I had three years of just kind and gracious people, people who helped raise Kristen, people who mm-hmm. blessed my life. And, you know, I just, in when I look at ministry, that, that I'm, I'm not up in Indiana now, but I still yeah. have relationships with people back there. Don't you think, though, that, like you were mentioning, it was a big commute and you were doing school and you had a lot going on. Don't you think that those times of when you're extremely busy and you're kind of grinding it out and you're working towards something. I, I think those times are so valuable, though. I think you learn uh, so much from it. That's football, Stanley. Yeah. That, to me. Yeah. And I bet for you, too. Yeah, okay. Because um, yeah. I, we would um, we practice in August, Charlotte, and, I mean, we had one spigot. I, y'all, y'all, you know, it was, this is primitive. Yeah. So then, all right, then at the end of practice, the coach said, listen, I had a nightmare I drink 24, and that means you're running 24 gassers. Yeah. So you, you know, but guess what, man? You don't quit. No. I know you're hurting, but you got to go. And I'm a, football taught me so many valuable lessons. Oof. Leadership, how do you handle yourself? I mean, I've come unglued in the game. I've come unglued in practice. You're talking to the choir right ooh, now. Boy. I'm telling you, man. I remember one time this guy was messing with me, and I mean, I was mowing him down, so he would agitate me. Finally, I had him on the ground. I just took my helmet, bam, bam, oh, just yeah. boom. But it's all that getting it out, you know, because oh, I yeah. wanted to obliterate. That's not pastoral. Mm, no. A lot of football's not. Um, it wasn't for me. But <laughs> I, you know, I think it's good that you, we can look back and, you know, those are all we're, – we're talking about learning lessons from playing ball, and I definitely – I definitely learned a lot. Had a lot of so you played for the school that you were going to. Yeah, I played um, played junior high. Okay, so I was a fat kid, mm-hmm. like 180 pounds in fifth grade, yeah. big lard. So I went and tried to have a baseball team, and he had to make us run the bases. Mm-hmm. Ah, I complained to my mama, and she said, "You just quit." So yeah. I quit. Well, two years later, I, I played for this guy. He was invested in me, a good coach, very kind, Del- Delton Ratliff, and um, did that. Then when I went to junior high, which was seven through nine for mm-hmm. our area, I told my dad, I said, I'm going I'm to play football. He said, good. He said, I'll come to every game. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't think I'd do it. He made that commitment to me. Really? And he said, oh, I didn't think you'd do it. Yeah. I got the snot beat out of me because I had no skills. I had not played. I was too fat for peewee ball. You know, you put a stripe on somebody's helmet. Oh, you couldn't yeah. get enough stripes. Yeah. There's there's an orange sticker on the back of that helmet because when me and Hunter were playing, exactly, we were both we were both two head. I, they wouldn't let me play running back unless we were in a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I had to play defensive line or something. Yeah, crap. yeah, exactly. You couldn't go anywhere, man. Yeah, come on, man. Um, let the let the big boys run too. You know, they didn't do it. But man, the big boys could play in junior high. So I got the snot beat out of me. I rode to Pine for a year. I, I played kickoff and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in eighth grade, I went both ways. I, I played both ways all the way through high school. Um, linebacker, offensive, right guard, strong guard, and um, got some got some awards, kind awards, you know, best ju- best player. My best friend in high school was black, mm-hmm. and his name's Robert Baxter, and he's such a good man. Um, 
he and I would go pray before the games. We had a little amphitheater in high school. I used to meet the, the coaches. You know, you, go to, you, you would go before it ever started, right? Mm-hmm. We'd hang out in the press box, chew red man, mm-hmm. spit off thing. And then we'd go eat. And, but Robert and I would go up there and say the Lord's Prayer together, pray together. And uh, Robert um, didn't have a car. And my dad, my dad was a man that you, he just said, my dad was really not a churchman. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't, he just didn't, he didn't go. But Robert Baxter needed a car for the prom, Stanley. My daddy gave him his car. Oh, that's awesome. Two years in a row to go to the prom. Nice. And man. Robert has never, he came to my mom's funeral. He's never forgotten that. Really? Yeah. Isn't it? But the 70s were turmoil. I'm a lot older than you. So, yeah. you know, and it was a racial turmoil. But I just, I play with a lot of black people, a lot of white people. I just really never saw color. Uh, <coughs> you tend not to. In, uh, that's how it was, you know, on our team. You, man, it's so hard. It's hot. You're lifting weights. The coaches are screaming at you all the time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I always felt like my shoulders were going to fall off because I wasn't scared to hit. Mm-hmm. And, man, once you go through stuff like that, you, it's just color and background and all that stuff is just really irrelevant. Team. Yeah. And th- there's a guy, and I don't know if he listens to this podcast. I think he, he might. Um, his name was Sterling, and he was – he played fullback. He was, he was my backup for – Two years uh, while I was there. And, man, I, I still talk to him sometimes. And, man, I will always love that dude. Just because we – man, we went through it. I went through it with Hunter, Joe, all these guys. And once you just go through war like that for so many years, man, you just – there's a bond you just can't really break off. It, it, yeah. it really is, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Hunter, man, we used to – I mean, we always – you know, he played right beside me at linebacker all the time. and. So hard on Hunter because we'd be running um, offense in practice, and Hunter didn't play much offense. He was a defensive specialist, and sometimes, man, the scout team guys would get a little wore out, and they would get tired of me hitting on them. Mm -hmm. And if we had a big game coming up, sometimes I would get frustrated because they I didn't feel like I was getting a good look from the scout team linebackers. And every once in a while, I go, Hunter. Come on, man. Will you get over there and help me out? Just a couple of plays. Mm-hmm. And he would, man. He'd get on the – and a starting linebacker, you know. Team. Team, he'd man. Get, he'd get on the scout team just so we could run it up the middle a few times and me and Hunter could freaking bang heads and he'd give me a good look of what, you know, real football's like. That's and, very true. And he would man? do that for me, man. And I always uh-huh. appreciated that. But, uh-huh. yeah, man, the, the bonds of, of football are – are strong and that's that's cool you got to play college football that's something i didn't uh, end up doing but that's yeah i did and don't don't think it's glamorous let me just tell you about college football man so um <laughs> i i was recruited by gardner webb university gardner webb college back then out of high school mm-hmm. and davidson college presbyterian college and right outside of charlotte mm-hmm. so davidson went toward them went toward gardner webb and then the coach that was recruiting me out of gardner webb so my file didn't get tended to. So I got a four-year ride to Gardner-Webb for leadership and do interviews and went to Gardner-Webb on scholarship. Mm-hmm. So then I walked on. I said, I'm going to walk on. Oh, Staley, man, they were huge, man. Yeah. The guy that hit me, I was scout team because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Walk-On, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, 
it, where we're doing the drills, and I'm doing drills like I did, and Coach looked at me and said, this is not the Green Bay Packers, okay, man? <laughs> then we towed it down. But the guy I hit every day on defense, I ran squad offense. He was, his name was Ralph Warthen. The next year he was drafted by the Washington Redskins. Oh, so I'm cool. telling you the caliber, his yeah. forearms are as big as his table. Yeah. He knocked my jaw loose. They, they ran out of parts. I never ran the ball, but they handed me, so you need to run the ball. He knocked my jaw like loose the skin. I could stick my tongue down it right here because he knocked all this loose. Just, man, I mean hammered. So go to infirmary. Um, but I played four plays. I was on the punt team. Mm-hmm. The fourth play, I stepped off sides. Oh, no. And I came over there, and that coach said, you'll never play another down of college football. And I rode the pine the rest of the year. No way. Yes, sir. He didn't, he didn't do it. Wow. Um, but you know what? I did it, man. Yeah. I, I walked on. I got a position. That's awesome. And I'm not, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, and here's the deal. That's a life. Yeah. I had an academic scholarship and I needed I was about to flunk out of trigonometry or something they told me man if you take trigonometry we'll give you six hours it's the only D in my academic career D for yeah. diploma I was just trying to get out of that oh thing. yeah but you yeah. know preachers don't need trigonometry must be a it must be a hay thing for uh, face injuries in football Hunter <laughs> Hunter laid the wood to a um a, a fullback or something in Cookville in the uh, state playoffs, and boy, he busted his right his bridge of his nose. Bridge right. of his nose, mm-hmm. man. He busted it wide mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yep, did the same injury playing yeah. Garinger in the really? High School. Played Garinger, yeah, busted right here. Had to go get stitches that night after it was all over, and um, bleeding everywhere. I remember this game stay because I'm watching my son, and he's he's it's like a goal line stand or something. When mm-hmm. when he's out here staggering, he's like. I thought, that boy doesn't know. He thinks oh, he's, he's on cut, Mars, he's man. He got hammered. Oh, he was hammered, too. Oh, but he had, no, I was like, that bless was, his heart, man. To that's That was the last game I ever played. Yeah, and him, too. That was one of the uh, one of the loudest cracks of a head-to-head hit I almost had ever heard. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just one of them deals where both of them and both of them pretty much – fell back. I like. I think Hunter probably went forward a little bit. You know he took advantage of it. You know he would, man. But I just was watching him stagger around after. So I was like, wow, man, he really, he got, he got. I remember playing one time. Did you ever get hit on, did you, did you ever do kickoff or you were too valuable? Uh, no, yeah, I did. Um, I think I did middle school. I don't, in high, when I got to high school, I never, I had to play kickoff or anything. Same thing either. Man, I played everything in middle, you know, did junior high. Mm-hmm. Well, I got hit one time and I couldn't feel my whole right side. I couldn't, you know, yeah. I was like hobbling off the field. And mm-hmm. those are wild feelings when you just get beat like that or to get the breath mm-hmm. knocked out of you mm-hmm. and you can't breathe. But, yeah. um, Whew, man, you know, I funny. Could... I remember every bit of that, man. God, I'll never forget it. It's something, it's, it's odd. I don't, I don't, relive the glory days too much and go around town talking about, you know, my high school football <laughs> career. But sometimes it's something that I almost think about every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I loved it so much, you know. And, yeah. Uh, sometimes I miss it, but a lot of times I don't. I just like talking about it. But, mm-hmm. but anyways, we don't need to get down this uh, rabbit hole. Sorry about that. No, no, no. I love it, man. I'll, I'll get in here and talk shop about football for way too mm-hmm. long, man. But – there is something that I was wanting to uh, ask you. 
Um, I don't know if I'm catching this from uh, social media or, um, but there's kind of like a new age Christian thing going on, and something that I've I keep hearing that I don't know if it's correct or not that I would like your opinion on is I've heard some people say as long as it's not a salvation issue that it doesn't matter mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how to approach that or what to think about that I guess they're trying to say as long as it's not a directly an issue of you and um, you know believing in the Lord and all that, that it, that it really doesn't matter. So how, how, what do you think about that? Well, if you, I think of the parable that says that you visited me in prison, you gave me food, you, you, you know, the parable where the folks who are Christians say, when did we not do that, Jesus? He mm-hmm. says, you didn't, because you didn't do it to anyone who was a brother of mine. Then the other ones, he's saying, you did, you did, you didn't. They say, when did we do that? Their obedience. Mm-hmm. So if you read scripture, we are told to confess. We have to confess with our mouth. He's Savior. Mm-hmm. But man, there's such a balanced piece of obedience. So when I hear that, my first thought is everything's a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. Everything. What I will look at, what I do, how I talk. Listen, I have a 66 GTO in the garage right now. It motor was stuck. I banged my finger. You know, I'm watching the, I'm trying to watch the bowling words. Okay, yeah. so I'm but I I just I don't think we can Jesus said this, be ye therefore perfect. I'm even using my King James. Be ye therefore perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's a high calling. Mm-hmm. Will we make it? No. But there's no if if he died on the cross and he gave his life away for us, who are we in a position to say, Well, I'm gonna keep this sin or I'm gonna hate this person or because that might be something you didn't consider a salvation issue. Yeah. You know. Well, I think I think that is a response to the hyper political environment that we live in. And I think what I was hearing this uh, I think he was a preacher and I was listening to him on a podcast and he was saying that like it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with abortion or uh gay marriage or you know, people have all these different opinions on it, if it's okay or if it's not okay and all that. And he, what he was saying is, I don't think any of those things are a salvation issue, so it doesn't necessarily matter. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Well, and if we look at what Jesus did with the law of the day, mm-hmm. Jesus said, serve the Father. Be committed to be committed to your Lord. Yeah. But he, he turned the law on its head by talking about grace and love. Mm-hmm. And, but I... For me, our church constitution says that we will not endorse homosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. And, and any minister who does that wedding cannot be a minister there. So there are some core things that we read and believe, like Romans chapter 1. I, I don't know how you can get away from Romans chapter 1 and 2 and, and that be a valid lifestyle. That is not a judgment thing. That is me reading scripture and saying, okay, this is what script, this is what God's inspired word tells I mean, it me. It says what it says. Yeah, and, you, know, and you can't. But don't we become like a cafeteria <clears throat> playing Christianity? Mm-hmm. That we say, okay, I will pick and choose. You can't do that. Yeah. You, you can't say, I'm going to pick this portion of scripture and that applies, but this other doesn't apply. Because it all does apply. Now, 
who am I to say, I confess with my lips, but I, th I think we'll give testimony for the Lord. I think there's a video for us. I don't know if it's actual video, but I think when people talk about going to heaven, mm -hmm. they say their life played out. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. Yeah, that I like that. And I was, um, I used to spend a lot of time uh, reading the Bible uh, at, when I worked at Nissan. I had an odd job where we uh, blasted the paint off of the carriers that carried the cars through, mm -hmm. and we would blast the paint off the carriers. The job was so physically demanding that you could only do it for about an hour at a time, and then you would switch with a partner and kind of spot them, you know, keep an eye on them. For sure, yeah. And so I would just read uh, the Bible. I was trying to read the Bible from start to finish. Mm -hmm. something I've always mm -hmm. wanted to do. Got close, but... Um, so I'd read it on my phone, you know, on the Bible app, and I came across a verse, and I, I can't remember what it is, but it basically said, if you keep committing the same sin that you know is a sin, and you keep committing that same sin, you know, you may not see the kingdom of heaven, or something like that. You take the cross for granted. Yeah. You crucify Christ again and again and again, and I believe mm -hmm. that's coming from Paul, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, because... When you read the epistles, um, Romans 12, 1, 1 and 2. If we are therefore, no, that's Hebrews, excuse me. Therefore, my brothers, give your bodies as a living sacrifice, and I'm paraphrasing here, to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we, we give ourselves to him. The whole thing is your whole self is given over. You remember, um, you, you don't remember this, but Billy Graham used to have a little series and as a, seventh eighth grader i would get their books and do them and he had this book called my heart christ home mm -hmm. and in the book there was a man who had become a christian and christ comes to live in his house his heart and then christ tells him he says there's something that smells in in the hall closet hmm. and the man says don't go in there that's my closet he said what smells and guy comes home from work and jesus is on the front porch he said well jesus come on in he said i, I can't be in there with that smelly closet I can't live in a place like that. Mm -hmm. So the answer was the, the man had to allow Christ to clean out the closet. I have no idea what's in the closet. But you get the image that, you know, we talk about salvation is to a process, right? We give our life, we confess, and we're saved. But then after that, it's the sanctification that next year I need to be better as a Christian than I was last year mm -hmm. so that I'm more refined and fitted for his service versus holding on to anything yeah and i think i wish i could remember that verse but you know sometimes that's very intimidating to people reading that going you know oh my gosh you know i mess up all the time and i mess up i don't know about you but i mess up constantly on the same stuff the point is is i'm always recognizing that knowing what I did was wrong, trying to be better, asking for forgiveness. Yes. And you always have that that feeling. It's almost like the Lord's just with you. And, you know, as soon as you, you know, say something too quick out of anger or, uh, you know, anything like that, you instantly feel like, uh, or you wake up the next morning going, come on, man, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. I feel like if I didn't, have reservations about that and if i didn't feel guilty about those things then i think i would be lost but i think always being aware of the lord and aware of asking for forgiveness is the lord being with you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's yeah. kind of how i 
how I look at that. And, you know, sometimes people do like to pick and choose what they want to follow in the Bible and what they don't. And, you know, I just, like you said, I, I don't think you can be half in and half out. So He wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about a perfect man going to the cross. Mm-hmm. And on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Yeah. I think we underestimate grace for ourselves. And I'm not talking about permissive to do anything, but we got to be able to forgive ourselves mm-hmm. when we do things. And, you know, proof of hurt in our lives is the Holy Spirit's conviction. So when you do those things, you say, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see these glimpses of the country sometimes and how they react to certain situations. You remember uh, last year when the Buffalo Bills player, Damar Hamlin, uh, died on the field? Yeah. Do you Mm -hmm. remember that? Mm -hmm. Me and Kalen were laying in bed, you know, watching this whole thing unfold on the TV and, you know, every newscaster after another saying, you know, pray for him, pray for him. May the Lord be with him. Social media is flooding with pray for Damar Hamlin, pray, you know, you just wonder sometimes, like, man, I don't... Sometimes I feel like this country's too far gone. And then sometimes moments like that gives you hope. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's not as bad as we think. or I don't know. I mean, what do you... How do you feel about the country and the state it's in and, um, you know, with Christianity? Do you think it's... I do have some statistics. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet. So the top... Four countries with the highest percentage of Christians, what would you guess the top four countries are? Mm, China, now, India. Now, this is Catholic, Catholicism is sure. grouped in with that. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. South Korea, China, India. USA is number one. Okay. Brazil in it too. Mm. And Mexico is in it three. Catholics, Brazil, and Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 79% of let's see USA 79% of people in 2010 claimed they were Christians mm-hmm. that's down to 63% in 2021 absolutely it, it is it is decreasing and you know mm-hmm. if you look at Europe a lot of churches have become museums a lot of churches have become pubs or whatever yeah um, and you know that's the, the building isn't hold any particular affinity but in a post-christian society mm-hmm. where christ is not around think about a place like china i knew an american uh american airlines stewardess she had a bible she gave it to a woman who's chinese she flew to china that was her only route so this chinese woman said i'm taking this and i'm going to my home church so underground church they had people lined up in the street to read this bible the police would come by beat people haul them off, and the next ones will fill up in there. Wow. Everybody wanting to get in there and get a peek at that Bible. Wow. Because the church flourishes in persecution. Mm-hmm. We, people say we're persecuted. We are not a persecuted society. Uh-huh. When, you, when, when you have dominoes to the door and a microwave oven, it is difficult to convince people of their need of Christ yeah. because they don't have a need. So, therefore players down on the field Mm -hmm. he's dying Mm -hmm. we go to god because we don't have an answer for that when when two when 911 happens churches are packed Mm -hmm. because people feel their need but to convince people of the regularity of that i mean it takes them but 
we're a fat, wealthy nation. Yeah. Right now, I'm in a place, we live better than 3% of the world, I mean 97% of the oh, world. Oh, yeah, I think if you make over $30,000 a year, you're like in the top whatever percentage of the world as far as being no, wealthy. It's, and, and we look in our, and, and we'll go to work and say, oh, that guy's rich. You yeah. know, when we are just loaded. And, yeah. But it's it's very, you remember the rich young ruler comes to Christ and, and he's kept the law, and then Jesus says to him, sell all your goods and come follow me. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody says he didn't do it. We're not told what he did. He may have. He goes away sad because he's very rich. Mm-hmm. Well, just because he goes away sad doesn't mean he didn't sell them. But that was his, everybody's got something. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think our richness, we, got, we have vehicles. We got credit. We, do, we jump on a plane, fly anywhere. In a wealthy nation, Mm -hmm. you know, where's your where's your need of him? You know, that kind of brings up a point I've I've thought about through the years and several churches that I've been involved in. Sometimes I felt like, and maybe more in a youth group setting, not so much in a in a normal service. Sometimes I felt like leaders in churches were trying to seek out disaster or tragedy or something to bring i don't know maybe like a more of an emotional environment to get people you know what i'm trying to say exactly and i always never knew how to feel about that because i was like i don't like i feel like they're just kind of searching for something that's wrong and like maybe there's not anything wrong Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh i was at a church camp one time uh, in high school with uh, joe uh there was you know a big worship service going on and um i don't know what we were doing me and him were tired and we were sitting in the back you know i think it was one of the scenarios where everybody had their hands raised up high and they were worshiping and good you know good on them and it it was a powerful service and we were just kind of sitting in the back chilling and a guy walked up to us he was a leader and said you know are you guys too cool to get involved with what's going on here and i just didn't like that Mm -hmm. uh and i just i've wondered sometimes if maybe some churches kind of thrive on tragedy a little bit mm-hmm. so have you ever felt like churches take advantage of that or i've i think that crisis can be used in any way you want to use it mm-hmm. um I, I am not i am not a preacher for emotion emotion doesn't make faith yeah. faith is not an emotion people tell me i don't feel like i'm a christian i don't feel close to god and i'm like hey, it doesn't matter how you feel it is your faith yeah. that you like, if, if I see something and I see God at work, that is my faith talking to me, where somebody else can see the same event and say, well, they just aligned. Mm-hmm. But for me, I put faith in that event. So yeah. to, to, tell people it, to tell people they have to get up mm-hmm. and do whatever, and I'm not throwing off on that guy. I'm just saying that you can't, no. you can't force somebody to feel something. And if somebody sometimes is... We lose sight of the facts. Think about everywhere we go, there are words. Mm-hmm. We lose sight of silence. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be silent. It's oh, okay yeah. to take time and not be active and not be up doing something. Mm-hmm. Because our society, and that's the thing about social media, you go to a restaurant, people are on their phones. Sharon and I have an agreement we don't look at phones yeah. when we're out. We told the kids they couldn't have them at the table. Mm-hmm. Because that, that truncates communication. I'm looking at this thing like it's going to give me something. Yeah. You know, and it just welded to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. I go to my father-in-law's a lot and just 
sit in his garage with him like this and just talk to him. And I leave my phone in my pocket, man. Good for you. you. Know, I don't want to. Guess what, man? My phone's in my truck. <laughs> I don't take it into worship. Yeah. I don't want to be in a funeral yeah. and a phone go off. I've seen it. And yeah. I just, but it is not now, social media is not important to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's not valid for people. Uh, yeah, I do so want to buy some old cars, so I have to have Sharon get on oh, yeah. and ask uh, that yeah. that happen and stuff. Um, all right, I'm going to show you a picture, another picture. Okay. Oh, wow. 2000, two, maybe 2000 or, uh, or 98 or something. Hunter's got the Converse on with the Ninja Turtles. He's got the, the Converse with the Ninja Turtles. And look how little those kids are. Um, we took that picture. We were outside of an apartment. We had just left Louisville, Kentucky. Sharon was, uh, has had some really large jobs. She was children's minister at a large Baptist, first Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we, we just had enough, man, so we moved to Louisville. And mm-hmm. um, that car is a 71 455HO formula. Okay. I drove that for three years and never should have sold it. And this right here is my favorite car of all time. Uh, set, I, okay, so going through seminary, not a lot of money. I would buy old cars, sell them, pay for babies, pay for education, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, 71 Goat, four-speed, uh, 242371G112858 is the VIN number for that car. God, I wait. wish that He's I could find that car. Down, yeah. I have got, well, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff was kind of my getaway. Yeah. What what's your getaway? Um, well I have boating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we're big on the lake. I like working on my boat, messing with it. We got our boat in a slip up at Center Hill Marina. Mm-hmm. And uh that's what we like to do when we're not, you know. A lot of my hobbies are uh very physically demanding and that's one of the reasons I started a podcast because I wanted to do something a little bit more you know, I just built a shed back here, and, you know, I've, I'm always working on the house, mm-hmm. making it better. I got a sawmill with one of my uh, good friends, and, you know, we cut lumber and stuff yeah. a couple mm-hmm. times a week and, and sell it. And So I'm always just physically working, and so whenever I can get to the lake or, you know, come in here and do this, hang out with you, other people that I talk to, you know, that's kind of my pastime and stuff that's good but you are a gearhead man i'm a big gearhead and i, I just you, you were grabbing gears passing penny on the way to church a couple I, times oh, and i love it. penny's heart <laughs> she said is that the preacher the first oh, time we came i said oh yeah she goes oh yeah he passed me on canesville oh, pike <laughs> i said that's, that's so, so bad because the preacher the preacher drives 8 40 every day this past week and do not tell anybody this I looked down, I was doing 95 miles an hour in a tundra. I'm getting like negative two miles in a gallon. Yeah. Then I had to get over because I'm trying to pass some of the campers in the left lane. Yeah. Um, I am a gearhead, but, you know, it's just been honest, good fun. Yeah. And I've been able to pay for some things. Yeah. And, you know, Man, I just I've, love it. I just, what what house, what street was that over there that y'all lived in? Um while Hunter was in high school most of the time. Chad Court. Chad Court over yeah. there in the cul-de-sac, man. Mm-hmm. I just, man, you'll forever be under a firebird in that garage, turning wrenches, popping out, going, what's up, man? What's up, Staley? Hey. That's, you know, sometimes in my mind that's where you exist, but I've seen I've seen you have some cool cars. I think I told you at church one time. I wish you could track down that cop car again. 
Yeah, California Highway Patrol car. That was um, cool. The one man. was, they bought sixteen and ninety two, and it was one of them, and it okay. had their numbers. And I mm-hmm. had a Hunter had a FBI car. Yeah. That he drove, and we bought that for thirteen hundred bucks. Drove to North Carolina, bought it. Nice. It was so full of mouse blank. That man, really? oh, it stunk. You could walk by the back. That. It radiated. I had to throw the carpets out and everything. Yeah. But um, so, we, you know, he drove, he also drove a Highway Patrol, I think, of Texas. But, Girl, you know. Red Camaro for a while. Great Camaro. Just I love that good car. Yeah, we had fun and, in that car. Yeah. He um, used to burn the tires off that thing going on it, Seagull Road. It would flat. It would, well, and he had a red one, <laughs> yeah. you know, and tore the tire off of it. And uh-huh. I'm like, man, what are you doing, man? Oh, What's yeah. That? Anyway, we won't talk about that. Yeah, that hurt his feelings. Yeah, um, but uh, but I have um, my kids drove junk, but they loved it. I think. Oh man, they loved it. Got Firebirds, T tops. You don't Camaros. Need, man. You don't need a nice car at sixteen. Man. Oh heavens no, man! And listen, I didn't have to get collision. Yeah, everything's paid for. Yeah. Now I did. Catherine had a white '88 Trans Am. I think I put two quarts of oil in it a week yeah. for some reason. <laughs> they had bad valve guides. Yeah, and but. Goodness, just man! I remember you bought that that truck, that Auburn orange truck, for Hunter before he turned sixteen. Yes, yes. and that truck used to sit out in y'all's side yard back there behind the driveway. And you know, when me and Hunter were fourteen, fifteen, we go out and we just sit in that truck and you know act like we knew how to chew tobacco and sitting there. Man, I can't wait till this thing you know gets going to talk about what we were gonna do in it. Put an engine in it too. It yeah. didn't have a motor in it, so I yeah. got that running. We called that truck the General. Really? Uh-huh. I could see why. Uh, I called it the General. I think that was a two hundred dollar buy. Nice from Middle Tennessee Turf. Yeah. Uh, Craig was Ooh. the owner out there and stuff. That was. Uh, I'm gonna tell you a story about my son. There's a there's a there's a young man named Austin. Um, I think Austin had had some his cerebral palsy. I'm assuming, and I I don't want to mispronounce what he has, but. I watched my son. We would sit up in the balcony at First Baptist Woodbury. This when I was State Farm, mm-hmm. and um, Austin would have a difficult time going down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And Hunter would take his arm. Yeah, I bet he would. And walk this man. Yeah, I can't hardly talk about. It. Yeah. Walk this man down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I just, he has a gentleness to him that I don't have. Yeah. yeah and does. a generosity and sweetness. And I'm not that. So I look at him and I'm like. That's why he could have Camaros. I didn't care. I didn't check up all the ball time because, mm-hmm. you know. No, just, he was. Just just a good yeah. Christian yeah. man. He, uh, you know, I ran around with him for, you know, still would be running around with him if he was still living here. But, mm-hmm. man, he was always a voice of reason. He was always smart and um, always appreciated that. And, you know, there's a list of people I'd take a bullet for, and he's definitely on there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I love him and I miss him, and I can't wait to see him. He's coming home soon, so I'm excited about 31st. that. 31st. I took off two days today to pick him up at the airport. They nice. need daddy rides, and he wants to go to Edley's. Yeah, yeah. Hey, shout out Cross Country Mortgage. So. Yes, exactly, <laughs> man. <We'll> tell you. <laughs> I'm, uh, but I tell you, I'm a rich man. Today. I have been blessed immeasurably just by my children in my life and it's all a gift it's not due to me yeah man it's it's been fun and i feel like you know uh, it's just one of those things where i've I've kept on running back into the haze you know <laughs> and you know i played a peewee football with hunter and 
you know, we knew each other a little bit through that. Uh, I wouldn't say we were best friends or anything, but, and then four years later, because um, I was homeschooled until eighth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I show up for Siegel Middle School football tryouts, and Hunter just immediately comes up to me, what's up, man? You know, and, no you know, we're tagging yeah. each other, what's going on? And he's like, dude, I'm pumped that you're going to, and he was like, oh, you're going to make the team, dude. Don't even worry about it. And, you know. <laughs> Encourager. Yeah, and I immediately knew somebody. And that was that was hard for me, man. I wasn't – I had never been in a public school in my life. Right, man. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. – my social life was um, Evan Hamill. I grew up with him since the time we were mm-hmm. babies. And kids at church, that's all I knew. Yeah. So mm-hmm. public school was – I knew nothing. And he immediately, you know, introduced me to uh, – Parker Caskey and all you know all these people that I ended up being such good friends with and he he man he really I will forever be grateful for that mm-hmm. for him doing that for me and mm-hmm. and you know and then obviously we were you know still best friends and went through high school together and then you know I hadn't seen you in forever and I'm, I was just talking to Hunter one night when I was when he was over here and I was talking to him about all the different churches that we had been trying out and how we were kind of struggling with finding one. He goes, Hey, you know, my dad, he didn't, he's not at Woodbury anymore. He's over here, started a church. And I said, yeah, man, send me the address and tell me what time it starts. Mm-hmm. And he did a couple of weeks went by and we just showed up mm-hmm. so, and mm-hmm. here we are. And yeah, now and my, then, now my kids, you know, screaming oh, in the middle of your service. I love it, man. Good for Sonny. And you know something? Love this about shout out for Community Church of Greenville. Bring your kids, let them yell. Ooh. We are not. You won my wife over with that right there. You really? say that mm-hmm. every once in a while, just as a reminder that you know this is an open place for children, and children, children are the future of church, and uh, they don't. You know, you've said they don't bother you. They're not going to trip you up, and. Man, that's a you went over the mamas with stuff like that, man. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's never like a fun thing to have your kid. You feel like they're just you know, it's not a fun thing to have the kid disrupting the service. But it's a good feeling knowing that nobody really cares. No, they don't because their yeah. kid's gonna yell in a minute. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody's gonna do it. Yeah, and then, somebody's gonna be hitting the door uh, spring. Yes, man, and that's mine. That's one of mine back there. And, you know, I love what I love. Uh, I get a chance to do some things at this church I can't do. So yeah. I don't have to have deacons passing out communion. Mm-hmm. So I've got five-year-old Piper down there. Yeah. Handing out communion. Yeah. And, and, and that's special. I do, yeah, I do that with people. And we talk about, you don't have to be 85 to love the Lord and do something in the church. Yeah. You know? I, I, took a, I took a friend to church out there one time. And when I was inviting him, he told me, he said, you know, he goes, I'm not real big on organized religion. I said, then this church is perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I and hold on now, let me get through this. I mean that by, you know, people are getting up and, and walking behind you when you're preaching, you know, taking kids in and out. They feel like they can talk whenever they want to. So I mean that in a way that it's not your traditional suit and tie church. And it's, you know, hey, come one, come all. Anybody's welcome. And, you know. We're just here to hear the message and, you know, do all that. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and, and they had a good they had a good time. They loved it. So good. Well, yeah. I've appreciated you being a missionary for the Lord. Oh man, it's uh, you do it. Yeah, it's uh, but man, look, I know it's we've been going an hour and forty five minutes, and 
I know you probably want to get home and eat dinner, so you know, I'm not gonna hold yeah, you I up. would never. I don't have a clock, so I don't know. This place is a well, time. It just says eighty minutes over here on that thing, so yeah, um, man. Ah, it has not felt like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm encouraged as an old man to look at you in your face yeah. and say, "Okay, you talk about hope for the nation." You're mm-hmm. the hope. Well, I appreciate you, that. You, you and your wife. We try to do the best we can. So yeah, you do, and and that's that's the hope that I have. And you know, you asked me something, I really didn't answer it. I am not torn up about whatever's going on out there because at the end of the day, he's mm-hmm. in charge of it. Yeah. He absolutely all principalities ordained by him. Do mm-hmm. I like it? I mean, I could throw some hammers, man. Yeah, just mad, but I I just I can't wig because he's got it, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to turn out. I, I mean, I do. I've read Revelation, but yeah. I don't. I, 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 he's got me. So whatever they decide, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, and just real quick before I let you go, I, sure. I wanted to. <laughs> you said in a sermon in the past that uh, you were maybe pastoring in a church or something like that, and there was a book that said uh, why the Lord's coming back in 1985, and then. You know, when that didn't happen, it went to 86 and maybe yeah. through 89. I don't know. It but, did, yes, when I was in that little house I showed you. And, you know, my mom always told me, because as a child, I think I grew up in an era when uh, there was like a, a, a movie series and a book series about the rapture and all that. Yes, yes. Timothy care. whatever. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Left Behind. Left Behind. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was very popular when yeah. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a lot of questions about that. My mom is very... Um, She's very, she spends a lot of time in the Bible. She yeah. reads her Bible every mm-hmm. single day, very knowledgeable. And she's, she's kind of, I don't want to say specialized, but she's done a lot of uh, classes and stuff on the book of Revelations and all that. You know, I was always asking her, you know, when's God coming back? You know, when's Jesus coming back? You know, is it going to be, you know, do you think I'll be 16 or, you know? And she would always just say, you're not going to know. I'm not going to know. Everybody acts like they know. He says he's coming. You're not going to know. Deep in the night. So don't, that's not a, the important thing to know that he is coming back, not when he's coming back. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I always just kind of left it at that. I don't. I like that. And, you know, the message of the New Testament is be faithful continually. Now, you know, you can't just be looking at, that's why I don't preach. I don't think you become a Christian to go to heaven. I think you become a Christian because you're broken and you realize you're sin. That's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. and, and heaven is just a side benefit. Yep. Mm-hmm. With that being said, man, I'm going to wrap us up with a quote that I came across today. Put it on me. A church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, hey, thanks for coming on the Hitters Only podcast, man. And My brother, I, I really, thank you, man. I really appreciate yeah, I'm, I'm you taking little, the time. I'm a little and, jelly of these coffee cups. Maybe you want to find my way, man. <laughs> hey, what is that? It's, it's, it doesn't look like coffee. Is, co- is that coffee in that cup? Oh, yeah. It's coffee in that okay, coffee. Just, it can be whatever in that cup, but it's a cup, you know. But, hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. And, man, we'll – and I just wanted to say that, you know, <clears throat> I know you you got a platform at church, but any time you want to come on here and, and talk about anything – I'll, it can be an extra podcast I'll put out other than my once a week one and you're, you're always welcome on this platform to say whatever you want thank so, you man so I appreciate you that being said thank you sir righty.
all this life we working with this kind of love You can tell me Tell me nothing gonna break us